Yes, folks, it's Thursday, 4 p.m. Central. This is Fred McMurray here with my co-host, Ray Pillar. This is Pillars of Franchising, bringing you the secrets of success and profitability and growing your franchise. Good afternoon. Ray, do it. Good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Ray Pillar here, and I'd like to introduce our guest today, Jesse Parenti. Of, he's the uh, director of programs at Stratton Agency. And uh, some some of the things I, I see uh, on the on the sheet here for for him is like Pizza Assurance. Wow, what is that? Uh, I manage a national pizza delivery program uh, for our agency. Um, thank you for having me on. You're welcome. It's our pleasure. So, uh, basically, uh, you're an insurance guy, right? Yeah, um, I can talk a little bit about what we are. Um, my background is the food industry. Uh, First-generation Italians mm-hmm. came over on the boat, uh, was in food for over 80 years, and I started working in the restaurants and grocery stores at the age of about 10 uh, did that for almost 25 years and then changed direction, got into insurance. Um, thought it was the worst decision I ever made when I was doing home and auto insurance after the high energy of restaurants um, and uh, realized that I can actually specialize in commercial insurance and then furthermore specialize in restaurant risk management. Um, and that's been a heavy focus of mine for the last almost 14 years. So I, I have a fine dining program. Um, we have a fast casual program. And then we also have a pizza delivery program. I'm probably one of, I think I'm one of five national brokers that insures probably about, I mean, when you think about all the space, we insure all the pizza delivery operators in the United States, from your Papa John's to your Pizza Hut's to your Domino's, Roundtable, Hungry Howie's, Marco's, you name it, we insure them. We are, within our agency, we insure just shy of about 3,000 locations um, over about 18 different franchise groups that we work with. And then we also insure mom and pop places as well. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I actually dabbled a little bit in insurance myself for, for about two years. I worked for uh, Farm Bureau of Missouri. Oh, yeah? And, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, that was interesting. Uh, to say. It's it, You know, anyway, I, I don't even want to get into that. That's something – yeah, you, I think the thing, the, the thing that I will make a point of, and you're smart to get out of insurance. Insurance is not sexy, but if you can find <laughs> something that really turns you that turns you on, um, and for me, it's hospitality in the food industry. I'm a foodie. I love wine. I love alcohol. I love I love everything about it, and the energy mm-hmm. of the environment is what really I enjoy. And being able to specialize in it, separate myself, has really uh, been really what's helped me with my positioning on what we do, how we do it, and really our approach. Um, because for me, I always will talk to people about, hey, you want to save money? And I go down to the roots of what's your culture. And that's just like any mm-hmm. restaurant. If you've got good culture, you're fine-tuned machine. you got bad culture, you got problems. And your culture is yep. where it starts. It reinforces safety. And if you got both, then saving money is pretty easy. Well, you just hit the nail right on the head because that's really what it is about. And in, in my particular business, uh, my franchise, uh, we have a what I call a family culture. And uh, every, everybody, all my employees, all 48 of my employees are are just like family to me. I love every one of them. But to go back a little bit even further, and and my my dad was a restaurateur, and I purposefully avoided 
the food industry <laughs> when I was looking for a business because I was the guy who, who cleaned out the beer coolers, you know. Yep. And, uh, well, you I don't know what they're like either. now, but, you just but had they to really the stuck back then. <laughs> yeah, you, you you were the free help. That's the problem. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but, man, I always ran from insurance agents because they'd always show up at networking <laughs> events. I could tell after a certain point in time how they were dressed, what company they were with, and that really freaked them out. Well, I think for me, like, it's interesting. My wife even gave me kind of a uh, a makeover one day um, because restaurants, restaurateurs, whether you're high executive, you're a chef, or you're a mom and pop's family business, everyone is about perception. And a, a, a restaurant is a really family environment, whether it's corporate or it's not. It's just you're still running like a family, even though you're a machine. And I mm-hmm. found that I was really overdressing for about 80% of my prospects or clients. And my wife mm-hmm. redid my wardrobe to literally the most dressed up I am, if I am, is like in nice jeans, a, a sport coat, a collar shirt, and I usually take off the sport coat. Um, most of the time I'm either in jeans and a polo or I'm in khakis and a polo, and that's as dressed up I am because that's what my customers want to see. They don't want to see a guy in a suit. They want to see someone that yep. actually can relate to. Yeah, if they see a suit, they say, you're too rich for me. I can't afford you already. <laughs> Perception <laughs> happens before you even open your mouth. That's right. And it's amazing how that's been reversed over the years because it used to be you have to wear a suit for everything. Yep. Even when I was going to see uh, Farmer Jones down the street to insure his tractors, yeah. I still, still wore a suit, you know, because it was expected. Yeah. Well, now if you go out on a farm, because i got a lot of ag clients as well, and, yeah, I go out in boots, jeans, and sometimes it's a cap and a, and a T-shirt, depending on what farm I'm out of, because I just know country boys are country boys, and they don't want to see a suit, and that's – but, I mean, like you said, years ago, that's what, that's what was expected. That's what business was. So to actually have people yeah. be able to change their mindset on business, I think, has also helped us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, we so, did brush just slightly on employees, and uh, I noticed that uh, one of the things we probably should talk about is, do you sell EPLI, Employment yes. Practices Liability Insurance? Yes. Ooh. It is a scary. Uh, it is probably it is. the it's probably the hottest topic for a restaurant. Um, next to maybe the the newest thing that's coming is cyber liability. But EPLI, mm. the reality, and you guys know this. Um, there's a lot of touchy feely that happens in restaurants between employees, managers and employees, managers and managers, front of the house, back of the house. A lot of he said, she said, and the problem is is that it doesn't matter if you're at fault or not, you still have to defend the claim. So these yes. happen for the, for the owners, whether they're involved or not involved, they're still liable. Um, and these claims have gotten harder and harder to actually insure in the last 10 years. Um, years ago, I could get people policies for less than 1000 bucks were for like 10 employees, and that was with a low mm-hmm. deductible. Now these policies have stripped away coverage. Uh, one of the biggest exposures is either ADA compliance for uh, anyone that's handicapped or with ramps, ADA for railings, doors, that kind of stuff. And you can literally have a what they call drive-bys where people will randomly throw a lawsuit at your business for ten grand and give you 11 things that they require you to defend that are not apl- applicable. 
if any of those 11 you cannot defend, you have to write the check. And so yeah. these policies will defend on those. Um, the other thing, like I was saying, is the grab ass, the harassment claims, the he said, she said claims. Uh, people getting along, not getting along, and then all of a sudden the manager or owner's got a massive problem, and these people, these policies will supply defense, uh, also pay out uh, judgments if it does go to court. Um, and the average EPLI case in California is about $125,000. So between legal fees and payouts, that's the average. So unless you've got a, an in-house legal team or an on-point HR person that literally is on top of every one of your employees, EPLI is a no-brainer. Uh, you, you, you pretty much have to have it. And I think not in just restaurants, everyone has it. I mean, I'm an insurance agent, and I have it. So, mm-hmm. so anything can happen, what, especially when you have different offices. Go ahead. Sorry. So what you said, you yeah, said yeah. H, on, on, wait, you, you, you said something about on-point um, HR. Yeah. So does that mean they carry a baseball bat? Yeah, cannot be carrying a baseball bat. That would create even more problems for us. Oh, okay. um, no, I think really when it comes on the human resources, uh, we re- we really live in a much more delicate world than we used to, um, especially the one we grew all grew up in. Um, and I just believe that um, not so much the businesses have targets, but what they have to be is they have to be proactive versus being reactive. Um, and I feel mm-hmm. that if you have a good defense on your employees, if something is to come up and you can show documentation, you can show whether this is previous history or if this is just a random situation. Um, the problem ha- happens no matter what. Is even if you do everything wrong and you go into court, you're probably going to have at least 20 grand in legal fees. So it's just these things are causing bigger and bigger problems. Um, one of the other challenges in a restaurant is giving employees proper breaks during shifts. And we all know in the middle of a dinner shift, it's hard to give someone a break at their fourth, fifth hour when they're supposed to take a break because they're in the middle of a dinner rush and they've got nine tables. So you have these legalities where forms have to be signed off on a regular basis to keep the compliant. And more importantly, it becomes a paper chasing issue. Um, Unless employees waive their rights for breaks, which they can, but we've also seen cases where if not all the documentation is correct, the insured still had to pay. So wage an hour was something that we used to be able to buy, and now it's either a buyback or it's a limited defense-only coverage that we can get 50 to maybe 150 grand in coverage, but everything else is out of pocket. And it's, it's one of the reasons, I mean, this whole uh, thing that we're talking about is the relationship with your employees. Is It, it needs to be honest and good because, because that's, you know, that's ex- where things begin to go wrong. If, if, if you don't have a, a fantastic relationship with uh, every one of your employees. Yeah, and I feel like we, we're very, very similar, like you were saying, Ray, where um, you, you got a family environment. We're, we we kind of took that to the next step, and we say we're like a high-performance sport team, sports team. We're like everyone's an all-star. We hire accordingly. We give people responsibility, but we also, as a family, have your back, just like the team members do. Mm-hmm. And we all work hard, we play hard, and and we're all on the same page. Exactly. You have to be. It's so important these days. But you you said the high cost, you said the EPLI is is going up. I I, I don't think I'm paying more than $1,000 right now. I thought 
at you, least in Illinois, that was state, pretty, yeah, pretty, exactly. Pretty, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I can I can do policies for under a thousand bucks out of California. Uh, California, unfortunately, has become its own litigious problem. California and New York is the other challenge. We have EPLA issues, which is probably number two in litigious claims. Yeah, which yeah. is why more yeah, people yeah. should yeah. carry baseball bats in California. <laughs> yeah, you might get away that in Illinois. You're not doing that in Cali. Uh, you have you know you have attorneys drooling on that case. Yeah, you, you whack enough the attorneys with baseball bats and they let you alone. Exactly. Oh, Fred, no, you, you probably carry a wiffle ball bat. Uh, well, no, actually, anybody who's been in the office knows that there's at least a half a dozen edged weapons nearby and a couple of clubs. So you know, I'm ready it. for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I love or it. the people uh, coming up from Los Angeles. Either way. <laughs> so one, one of the things that's really expensive here is uh, uh, the uh, really? uh, insurance. <laughs> I'm losing my mind here uh, because because I don't like it so much. It's uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not liability and uh, workers' comp. <laughs> Is one of the things that's really expensive out here in Illinois. Yeah. So, uh, how, how does that fare out in uh, uh, the, the left coast? Uh, California is one of the more expensive states, um, depending on how. And it's interesting because in your in your state, I'll give an example. A normal restaurant, um, I have a class code nine zero seven nine for my restaurants. If you're an, a food delivery operator, whether pizza, Chinese, any type of food. All the all the payroll falls under that one class code, but in Illinois mm-hmm. you have a restaurant class code, and then if you have any type of delivery operation, we actually add the chauffeur class code to yours, and then all the delivery oh. payroll gets segmented off. So you have probably, I mean, what's your rate? You paying three, four bucks, two bucks? What are you paying? Oh, I don't know right now. I I, I didn't bother to look. I it think up. you're somewhere. Um, in, I think you're somewhere between two and four bucks. California right now we're six. As I mean, our base rate's actually oh, wow. seven, but um, but that's actually we've been in a weird market. We're actually starting back into almost a soft cycle. We were way too mm-hmm. soft, then we got then we got almost too hard, too fast. We we made mm-hmm. from too low, where people were getting rates into the ones, which we mm-hmm. lost rates because you can't maintain that. Uh, and then we got rates up to base rates right now are between low sixes, high sevens, but most people with net rates are getting into the fours and fives, which is probably where it should be. Well, um, uh, Jesse, I don't own a pizza store. If I did, I'd probably eat all the profits. So, uh, <laughs> no, I own, a, I, own, I own a Molly Maid. Oh, there's that comment. Uh, yeah, no, I, I know your Molly Maids, you, your class code uh, is uh, your janitorial class code, I assume. And, I yes, mean, it's yes probably, we are. Yeah, and your class code at that rate, actually, now I think about it, you might be six, eight, ten bucks. Um, so, yes. Yes. Uh, I don't the janitorial rate for us, I know, ranges between I think ten and fifteen. So, even though I'm sure you're not stoked on your rate, do you have a modification factor? You should, the size company you are. We do. Yeah, I'm about one point oh two, I think. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit what over. I, what I what I would hope is, and and you and I can talk offline, but there are very strong proactive things that uh, we 
recommend for anyone because on a size company, you've got 50 employees. You easily should have a mod somewhere between the 80s and 60s if your frequency is down mm-hmm. and your shop clock is under control. Yeah, yeah, we we, we do a, a good it's job of. It's, uh, it's just your money. That's okay. how I look at it. And, it. and I always want to put money back in your pocket instead of giving it to the damn insurance care. Mm-hmm. We we do a good job of uh, making sure that we. Uh, how should I say, uh, ex- express uh, uh, a lot of interest, making sure our employees are safe. And uh, we have weekly meetings, safety pro- meetings. And, safety, that's uh, that's yeah. what it's about. And I, it yeah. sounds like you have a proactive culture, which is the, the key component. You have to have it. You do. You really do. And, and it surprises me a lot of times when, when I talk to other owners and they say, oh, you know, they start complaining about their uh, modification rate. And I say, well, what are you doing? And it, well, they're not doing anything. <laughs> not That's, doing anything. You know, it, 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 all you have I to mean, do is, is just talk about it. You know, you're going well, to be doing I, something. I always say if, if you have a monthly safety meeting, even if it's for 10 minutes, if you have a monthly safety meeting, that 10 minutes is going to be proactively save time and also have your employees thinking differently when they do their job. And it's proven mm-hmm. the more you reinforce safety, the more you reinforce culture, it will like if you're spending fifty thousand in workman's comp and it costs you ten grand, I guarantee on the ten grand you proactively spend, you'll get that back tenfold over a two, three year period because you get your mod even in a lower place. So I'm stoked mm-hmm. to hear yep. that you take safety seriously because that really is the backbone of your work comp. It really is. Is your safety, your culture, your training, and I'm glad you're doing that because that's shock loss can happen. You can have a hiccup and then you're like, okay, and that's a one, it's all, we usually a one-year hit versus I'm not really doing anything and then mm-hmm. you cause three, four, five years of mod increases, which just basically you're giving money to the damn insurance carrier. Mm-hmm. No, well, I, right out of high school, I, I, I got a job immediately working for United States Steel. And uh, the steel industry, of course, is a very, very dangerous business. Yep. And, uh, we had daily safety meetings. If yep. you were caught without your safety glass, hard hat, yep. or you know, your yep. metatarsal shoes, you're gone. You know, they, they did, there was you're no darn right. I you know there. what? That's, but, that's a, but that's the type of job, Ray, that you die. You die if you yeah. don't follow the rules. Well, so that's the reality. You've got to follow the rules. 18 months I was there, there were four deaths. I know. Yeah. I mean, and, being, and like for you as a business owner, you, you get it. Yeah. As a business owner, you get it. Yeah. And think about the life experience you had then. That's really the kind of conversations I have with people. It's like, I'm not trying to be the big bad guy, but I'm trying to tell you that if you don't take safety seriously, these are the things that can happen because I've already experienced it. And this is the cost that can happen for you. And really, it's a matter mm-hmm. of if you take it seriously. Daily, I think, is awesome. I always ask my restaurants, if you could have a five-minute meeting every day before shift, it would be great. Minimum weekly just keeps it top of mind. And uh, mm-hmm. I love when people actually – safety is something that I'm always improving on and getting better and always learning. And I, it's really – it's a reinforced thing that has to always be reinforced. I always tell people, just because you did for six mm-hmm. months or a year doesn't mean you're done, man. You've got you to do this until you're done. Like, it just doesn't stop. Oh, yeah. But, but more importantly – be a constant the, yeah, but I think also it's with your culture. Your culture buys into it, yeah. and then it reinforces what really it's about, which is like, hey, your safety is important to me because mm-hmm. I care about you. Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail so, on the head of that one too. Yeah, yeah. How, 
Go ahead. Uh, from what I know or what I've heard, your agency has various events. Some of them um, are on, I guess, safety at the workplace, uh, dealing with workplace violence. Yes, yeah, so within our company, we also have a human resources and a OSHA safety company. So we do uh, webinars every month, um, and we're doing on average at least two to as many as six or seven a month, various topics, whether it be sexual harassment training, lockout tagout training, fire extinguisher training, safety training, um, hiring practices, firing practices. Uh, the world we live in is always changing, and I'm thankful I've got a great team of experts that constantly reinforce kind of our culture and what we try to help our business and partners with, because what we believe is what we preach, and it's also we reinforce it within our own agency. So, yeah, we uh, we, we have a whole webinar series, and if you looked at our company from Stratton Agency, you'd see we have multiple divisions. We have a division for um, our human resources safety company, and then we have a division just for workman's comp, and that whole division is called Comp Shield, and it's basically for rehabilitating or handling large uh, workman's comp uh, cases that have mods of 1.25 and above or are at least 100,000 in, um, in premium size, and they actually need HR safety to strategically keep them in compliance. Um, and then we have a pizza delivery division called Pete's Assurance, and then we also have our cannabis division, which is called Nine Point Strategies. And then the mothership, which is Stratton Agency, is where everything works under. Do you want to ask the question about Nine Points, Ray, or should I? Well, it depends, I guess. Um, we can talk about it off now. How, do you want to, how, high, how high do you want to go with that? <laughs> <laughs> This is California, Ray. At least where yeah. Jesse oh, and I oh, am. So yeah, but got to go pretty high. all over the U.S., right? I mean, so yeah. uh, okay. Tell us all about your uh, your nine point strategies. So nine point strategies is our another specialty division, just like Pete's Assurance, um, but it is 100% focused on risk management for the cannabis division. So we deal with cannabis whether that be THC, CBD, um, we also deal with hemp, um, and we work with everything. We've been in the space for about seven years. We're nationally licensed in all states, just like pizza, um, and, we, and everything that we do for our other divisions, we're reinforced. We do custom human resource employee handbooks. We do custom IPP or injury and illness prevention programs. All the trainings that we do for all of our other businesses, we now have custom done them for the cannabis industry. So a lot of the overflow from pizza to pot, um, because both of them kind of interact with each other, have been a merger of us helping both industries be safer, um, uh, if that can be possible. Um, but the good thing is is that we're helping our restaurant owners, um, and you got to realize now with um, cannabis being legal, whether it be medicinal or adult use, in almost every state in the United States, um, restaurants now have a new challenge because they're now dealing with drug and alcohol policies for their businesses, and how do you deal with it? So um, it's a new challenge. We're addressing it, um, and it's one of those things where restaurants and cannabis have been together for a long time. Now we're going to find a good balance and help protect them both. That's how I look at it because they're both good industries. Uh, they both 
have uh, great opportunities. I mean, food is something that's been around forever, but now cannabis is coming into the light. And for us, we're now helping as a leader in California and on a national level. So then are some of the restaurants uh, giving, like, coupons so that you can – Buy the cannabis and get a coupon for a pizza later, or buy three pizzas. So I, I get a coupon. To be, to, not, not to be funny or not, but I have some spots on the Central Coast, kind of where you are, Fred. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I've had I've had some places tell me that uh, dispensaries are working with some of their local pizzerias um, as mm-hmm. a marketing. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Gotta love California. So, go ahead. Go ahead, Ray. I got my comment so, in. I, I think we we need to talk to the uh, um, the rest of us out here, out, uh, like like we discussed uh, a little bit earlier um, yeah. before the show went online. Uh, Illinois is just getting into the medicinal area of that. I think, but uh, maybe our listeners would be interested in how. Does that type of law, the medicinal area and uh, uh, the adult usage, how does that affect the employer and the employee relationship? I mean, this this is beginning to evolve. Uh, uh, yep. Is this going to be similar to alcohol? No drinking on the job, yep. no smoking that, on the that, job. That, that is know. that is exactly where we're going, Ray. That it's going to follow mm-hmm. how alcohol is. Um, if someone shows up on a Monday that is reeking of alcohol, it's pretty obvious. Kind of same situation. Yeah. If someone shows up to work, especially if they've been smoking flour, it's pretty obvious. Now, I will say how we are addressing it is there's three different ways of handling it in your handbook. You can have zero tolerance, um, and that's totally yeah. acceptable. I mean, you can have zero tolerance. How we respond to that is make sure it's clearly notified in your handbook. And then also reinforced if you have an accident, because that's really where it's going to come up. Someone's going to have, get hurt at work, and they need to do a post-drug test. At that point, in your employee handbook is what you decide what you do or what you don't do. You don't have to. You can have a zero tolerance, but that doesn't mean that someone has to be fired. It just has to clearly determine that zero tolerance, you will be written up. Or zero tolerance means you will be fired. It, it all comes down to your employee handbook. Um, that really is the backbone that protects you um, because the world we live in, in certain states, people are able to get a doctor's note and actually get cannabis versus getting a pharmaceutical pill. And if they're consuming and using not on work hours, you legally can't do anything. But in the reality of it is you have to protect yourself as a business owner and be consistent. So like I said, I'm going to go back to what I initially said is whatever you believe in in your business, make sure you have an employee handbook, and it clearly defines what your stance is on cannabis and alcohol. Because if you have a zero tolerance on alcohol, your marijuana needs to follow the exact thing in line. And then if you don't have a policy for drug and alcohol, my recommendation is you get one put in place because it is a discrimination claim waiting to happen. Oh, yes. Yes, we definitely have a handbook, and we definitely have uh, a zero tolerance policy. Um, yeah, and you can. And then, uh, at, at this, that's what you do. The only thing we do right now is that we make the statement that if there is an accident, you will be tested. So we don't do regular testing or, or nope. pre-employment testing, but we do make a statement that if there is an accident, you will be tested. 
And that is the best stance yep. I can recommend for most business owners because unless you have a high-level job where pre-drug testing makes sense, I take the stance the same way you do, Ray, is just letting you know you can do whatever you want, but if you get hurt at work, you're going to get drug tested. And that's the best policy yep. to have because that reinforces behind the zero tolerance and you're clearly letting them know, hey, not only going to be tested, but here's the action we're going to take if you come up positive. I don't care if you legally mm-hmm. have a medicinal card or, hell, you're not. You're just in an adult use state. It's okay. The rules are the rules. If someone yeah. heard of work and they had alcohol in their system, it's the same thing, even though cannabis stays there a lot longer. But right now, that's the only defining line we have. So let me ask this question then, since we're on this topic is, what happens, or how is that different from, say, you, you made comment about a medical card. So yeah. how would that be different than if somebody were on Vicodin or morphine? That's, or, exact, that, it's, it, that's the exact same thing, Fred. That's where we're going. Um, okay. It's, it's not any different. So you just because you have a medicinal card, like if you're under the influence of alcohol or drugs at work, that's not acceptable. Even if your doctor said you could be, like, you're not supposed to be on Vicodin or any type of heavy-duty opiates at work. That's just not – if you're on that type of pain millers, you should be at home. Um, so that's also the, the, the balance of how the company policy is. Um, if you're legally taking something, there's not a problem. But acknowledge that if you have it in your system, it could become a problem. There have been some cases now that – it's taken years to happen, but it has actually weighed in favor of the employee. The employee didn't do anything wrong. They just got hurt. They did get fired. They did fight it because they had proven that the opioids didn't even help anything and cannabis was the only thing it did. And after about 18, mo- 18 months, 24 years, months is what it was, uh, the case was won. And this was actually, I want to say Pennsylvania or Massachusetts. Um, so there is things that are turning over, and that's where I think it comes down to, with a zero tolerance, you have to be clear on how you do the disciplinary action. I mean, I have one company that their disciplinary action is, we're going to write you up. So that shows that they're doing something, but they also understand that the job doesn't matter if they're smoking pot. So it's kind of, it really comes down to, like, not talking the food industry, but if I talk the cannabis industry, I've got people that are driving. Yeah, I don't care. If you're moving heavy machinery or you're driving, zero tolerance. I don't give a shit. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care what's on, what happens even if you test positive. If you test positive, we got a problem. If someone watering flowers or trimming, different opinion. So in the food industry, I really think it is zero tolerance. That's what you stick with. You have it in your employee handbook, and you reinforce it with your, uh, with your disciplinary action. So do you have to list out in the employee handbook all of the drugs that are covered? or Because when somebody says drug, I think of my favorite drug, which is caffeine, but yet that's normally not considered a drug, unless you're me. (laughs) Well, that's the the thing. You just have to say, you know, impaired, and it doesn't matter what you're impaired by, alcohol or drugs. If you just say you're impaired... And, you know, you could get fired. That that's exactly how our it's it, it's very it's almost broad purposely so that it cannot be pigeonholed this versus that. If you were under the influence or impaired, um, then you could be terminated on the spot, and then you will be drug tested as well. 
especially today with designer drugs, they can say, well, yep. your drug, you didn't mention that drug <laughs> in yeah. your handbook. That's the whole thing is we, we don't have, yeah, we don't have any type of list we put together because, like you said, designer drugs are constantly being made and kids are getting high on things I didn't even know possible. So um, <laughs> it's, it's more of a situation. <laughs> yeah. Tide, uh, what are you doing now, Tide? <laughs> oh, Tide oh, Pod, someone yeah. Was me, someone was telling me that, like, uh, the, the salts that, like, my wife puts in her bath, Epsom the kids salt. are smoking yeah. those now. Yeah, they're smoking that now. And I'm like, they're getting high off that? I'm like, whoa. Like, I don't know. I'm just, that's, that's really reaching for me. Like, I don't know. I, I just don't yeah. think about yeah. that. So. So right. one of the things that you know this brings to mind is uh, when, when you start having a, a, a problem with an employee that a lot of people don't document properly. And yeah. I think one of the things that you could speak on a little bit is uh, in, in my particular business, uh, we have an, an oral uh, that we, we call it an oral, not a written, but it is yep. written down. The only difference is the employee doesn't sign it and, then we have a written uh, reprimand, and that, of course, and, and all these contain the elements of what was wrong, uh, what needs to be corrected, in what time frame. And uh, basically, when you get to the written, it said uh, that there's a possibility that you will be dismissed if it happens again. And as long as you, you know, that, that's what we're doing. And I, I'm just, I guess what I'm asking you to comment in is, is this something that we're, doing correctly or is there a better way of doing it so no no i think i think what you're doing is a great first step um and what you i think as long as you're not having repeat offenders then it's a great thing because it creates good communication with your staff it helps your staff also realize the accountability level that you have and more importantly your employees will reinforce each other which i think is a great thing um we always recommend a verbal and with the verbal, you do exactly mm-hmm. what you said. You document everything. You sign it, so it actually goes to the employee file. They're acknowledging it, so they can't actually not acknowledge it. Now, mm-hmm. in the second situation, um, if it's repeating, then I would say you definitely need to do a formal write-up because if mm-hmm. you have a repeat offender, you're going to have a challenge actually firing them without showing that you've been documented two, three times of the exact same thing, and we're showing you training, we've done this, you've not corrected the problem, you continue to do it, then at least you have your, you're protected on a level of, if you need to terminate the employee, you won't have a discrimination claim for back on you. Right, right, exactly. We, so we usually I'm give huge, at least three, three chances. Fund. Perfect. No, that's good. Like, do a verbal, two write-ups, that's kind of how we are as well. We mm-hmm. do a verbal, two write-ups, um, Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I have, I have really I can't imagine I actually have an employee who has three write-ups because at that point I'm like, why you're here? Um, but yeah, yeah, exactly. that being said, yeah. it, it, I look at it. It's about documentation. I think that's the biggest challenge for the small business owners. They got to realize even if it they're is. a one-man shop, they need to realize that the world they're in is they got to protect themselves at all times. Um, young individuals, older individuals, they are unfortunately all looking out for themselves in our world more than they used to be. And I look at mm-hmm. it as if someone is doing something that is worth noting and you're going to actually do it, make a note of it and have a conversation. Um, because like I said, that verbal that you're having with them, um, most people are doing that probably two, three times and not realizing that mm-hmm. they can correct their own problem by stopping 
acknowledging it. And at that point, heck, they might have done one or two write-ups, and then this person wouldn't be there anymore. But because mm-hmm. they continue to keep having a problem, and that, that problem is only going to fester and keep growing, and it's going to become a bigger problem. One of the things we try to do in a write-up is quote our handbook chapter and verse so that they know exactly what they uh, what rule that they are uh, coming up against. And uh, also when this needs, to, if it ever goes any further, like you say, you know, wrongful dismissal, then yeah. we say, well, we have this handbook and here's the chapter, yep. here's the verse, exactly. The, the employee signed a document saying that they read the, uh, the handbook, so therefore they know, and not only do they know it from the handbook, but they know it because they were written up for it. Yep. Now, my, my so, HR director pounded this into my head years and years ago. Documentation, documentation, documentation. If it's not written down, it never happened. Yep. So right yep. now, I, we need to take a break here to, okay. for our friends at Franchise Consulting Company. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. You know, Ray, that always amazes me when he talks about having 2,000 years of experience. I think, man, none of those guys look that old. (laughs) Fred, um, if someone wants to call in and ask a question, can they do that? Ah, if they, yes, they, they can. They can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And you're right, Ray. I was remiss in not saying that at the beginning of the show. Well, I didn't want to say that, but I could have said, Fred, you forgot something. <laughs> which you eventually well, did. Which you now. Just say it there. Yeah, we're fine with this. <laughs> yeah. So, so back we, to we your questions, right? We talked about different kinds of insurance for the for the business owner. Um, how about liability and general general liability? Uh, we want to talk a little bit about that, Jesse. Sure. I mean, uh, general liability and, uh, and property, that kind of stuff, is is pretty standard for a restaurant. Most uh, cares is actually pretty easy to get. The one thing that actually I think is hard to get, and this is what we specialize in, is actually it's called non-owned auto, and it's actually a commercial auto policy that is provided to food operators that have delivery component. Um, and it's a really unique policy. It's a lot different than any normal general liability policy that you could get from a state farmer or an all-state agent or pretty much any broker. Um, it's a specific policy that is written over your employee's personal auto insurance, and it extends over their auto while they're out on the road on your behalf. And we write limits of anywhere from a million to $10 million uh, based on the exposure and the risk in the franchise group. And that is kind of a unique thing because most people go, wow, I never thought about that. Well, when you see how many pizza mm-hmm. operators have people on the road, 
got to wonder how do they have these people in these everyday cars versus them being in a brand new vehicle? Well, they have this commercial auto policy that allows their employees to actually drive their vehicle, um, and it gives at least a million dollars of liability. Now, the one thing that most people don't realize is there can be a gap because the employee's personal auto is supposed to be primary. So if there's a claim, they're actually supposed to notify their personal auto carrier. 99% of people have an exclusion in their personal auto policy for food delivery or business use. So as soon as the (laughs) personal auto carrier says, hey, you've been driving for JW Pizza, oh, that's a work-related thing, we're denying the claim. Now the employee goes back to the owner, and the owner goes, okay, I have insurance, I'll take care of whatever's needed. Well, the owner has a million-dollar policy. The problem is it's liability only. It does not cover the Mm -hmm. physical damage, if any, that happens to the employee's car. So this has been a problem for many years, and Uber in some ways has kind of fixed the problem for us. They went from a company who refused to be compliant that was forced to become compliant, and then they changed the insurance industry to say, well, we need you to be able to have an endorsement that someone can buy for their personal auto that allows them to work for us. That Mm. fixed the gap. So now what I tell my owners is tell your employees to tell their insurance company they deliver pizza. Now, I will say if you're a state farm and uh, farmers, they actually have an endorsement that allows you to add the coverage. And what really happens is the premium increases, but it becomes more what it should be, which is a commercial auto policy, and it will respond Mm -hmm. for full physical damage to their vehicle if they get into an accident. And then if the employee's limits get expunged, there's another million dollars behind it. In the last five years, until Uber really got involved, about 99% of the claims got absorbed by our owner's insurance. And I would have probably, say I got 200 claims a year, I'd say one out of every 50, I'd have one of these gaps where the employee didn't have coverage, didn't do what he was supposed to do, and now we've got a three to $5,000 physical damage claim that no one's covering. So for us, we actually have contracts that we have the employee sign and the manager and or business owner signs that shows all the requirements for the employee while they're on the road, including having a fully functioning operating vehicle, having a fully insured personal auto policy. We actually get a HIPAA compliance form that allows us to run future motor vehicle reports on behalf to keep them compliant with their insurance policy. And then lastly, they have an agreement that says, and they sign it, saying that they will uh, get full coverage on their personal auto for any type of physical damage claims. So they have a document, and I've been in court twice with this, and shown that these are everything that the employee did, and the employee even signed on their own insurance that I have no business exposure. So they even hurt themselves by signing an additional document within their own insurance. So for us, it's a lot of education, but we understand the space, and where we do is we take pride in helping the business owner train their drivers. We take driver safety really seriously. We have a whole driving academy that we actually recommend um, that the employees go through because it actually helps them be a better driver. And giving the tools to these business owners that are needed, whether you're a one-store operator or you have 100 units, safety, safety. 
And for us, it comes back to the same thing. It's your culture, it's your safety, what do you believe and what do you do? We want to help people have good culture. We want to have people have good safety. And a lot of times we will give our clients everything. We just want them to actually implement the tools we give them. Because we have a lot of cool stuff, and the good thing is it's to help them. But if you don't believe in safety, you don't care. So then we may not be a good fit. Yep. Well, we were talking about insurance, and I was kind of remembering what my dad was always talking about. One of his biggest complaints about insurance was something called dram shop insurance. Are you familiar with that term? A little bit. Um, and that has to do with uh, kind of, no, I think about dram shop. Serving, al- serv- serving alcohol. Yes. It has to do with serving alcohol because you have dram shop laws in certain states. So they don't apply in California, mm-hmm. but they apply like in Florida. It has to do with serving alcohol and then from serving alcohol, where the liability falls. So mm-hmm. yeah. the unfortunate fact, the unfortunate factor for California is last place served is last place on the hook, even though there could have been ten mm-hmm. other places. Where the dram shop, uh, how the law and how that works is finding liability really where it started. I mean, I hate to say it, if someone comes in snockered, but keeps their composure at a mm-hmm. bar and has literally somehow orders a drink and doesn't even finish their drink and then goes and kills somebody, that last sip they had didn't cause the problem, even though right. it's like one of those things where it is sticky. Um, that's why I always, I always say to my bars, make sure you've got documentation, not documentation, make sure you have video. Because oh, yeah. whether your bartenders actually are on point or not, the video is really what's going to show the state of the customer and really what your your employee did. Mm. Yeah, over-serving um, can happen really easily. I hate to say that, I mean, 0.08 is not really much. And if you're not, if, I mean, I can have a couple drinks because I have a higher blood alcohol content than most and I'm a seasoned drinker. Where someone has a beer, they could be there. So it's kind of those things yes. where it's not, it's not very much. I mean, the world we live in, I don't think DUIs are acceptable. I hate to say it, Uber has changed the world, and no one should ever get a DUI, ever. I mean, I live yeah. in a very, very, um, very, very safe town. Let's put it that way. There's cops everywhere. My wife and I don't even drive five minutes. If we know we're going to have a drink, we just don't even take a chance, just because I don't want to take a chance of me rolling through something and changing my life. Because the reality is, shit, if I have one or two drinks, I probably am at point away. No matter how yeah. I feel. Let's yeah. be honest. So it's one of those things where with those laws, they're there for a reason, but as a business owner, I'm all about people being uh, people being properly trained because you've got to be aware, especially your seasoned vets and your bartenders usually know when someone's had too much. But, hey, mm-hmm. everyone makes mistakes, especially when they're busy. Yep, absolutely. And one of the things I told my kids growing up as teenagers before they even thought about having a drink, of course, in this day and age, you don't know what age that is, but we did talk yeah. about it earlier. I said, you get in a situation where you are definitely drunk, call me. Don't worry yep. about the consequences. You know, just call me. Call me. It's I'll a lot better to call you. me than any, anything else that could happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, one of my boys did call me a couple of times, but that was about it, you know, so Hey, man, I'm you're, you're a good dad for being smart enough to have him say that and do it. He trusted you enough to do it mm-hmm. because the scary part is is that one of those circumstances could have not only – the worst thing is it probably wouldn't have cost 
changed wouldn't have cost him his life, it would have cost probably possibly someone else's. And that's the scariest part is when yeah. someone's drinking on the wheel, your reflection I mean, your reflexes and everything you do, you're loose. The person who gets hit is the one that really gets hurt. And that's the problem oh, yeah. about it. And, yeah. and it's just so, the, the real I never yeah, gave my absolutely. kids that I never gave my kids that talk. I gave them the driveway talk. Um, and the driveway what, talk is you'll that? see well, you'll see people on the news. You'll see these parents um, on the news, and they're standing at the end of their driveway, and there's all kinds of video cameras going, and everybody's seeing them nationally, and the parent has no clue of what was going on by their kids. And so I gave them a simple, very simple rule that says, you will do nothing that puts me at the end of a driveway looking like an idiot on national TV. And actually, Fair that enough. actually made it... <laughs> That actually made it down to grandkids already of, you will not do this. <laughs> so did, you, did you ever get on national TV, Fred? <laughs> uh, not. Well, there were a couple of times during the last uh, California, or the 2016 California one, primaries when I was running that one campaign where I did get on TV screaming, power to the people. But no, never as a driveway occupant. Mm. They were they knew Good they stuff. didn't want to piss that off. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesse, how do people find you on the web? Yeah. Um lots of different ways. Uh so Stratton Agency, uh S T R A T is in Tom, T is in Tom, O N is in Nancy Agency dot com. Um, at that area, you can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jesse Parenti. Um, uh, we're, we have multiple medias between LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we either look up Stratton Agency or you can look up Pizza Assurance, P-I-Z-Z-A-S-U-R-A-N-C-E.com. Or you can also go to NinePointStrategies.com. Um, we've also got a YouTube channel where we post videos for pizza and also for Nine Point. And uh, really, we just want to be a uh, supporter of the industry, help people realize that they can have a safe business, and more importantly, your culture is what it's all about, and your culture is your backbone. And uh, if you need help, just let us know, and we're here to support you. So, Are you a national company? Yes, we are. We're based on the West Coast. I have one, two, three, four, five, five offices in the West Coast and growing, but we have a national presence. We're licensed in all 50 states. You are? Okay. Yeah. So the question That's I have good to is know. I, was talking, I was talking to one of our earlier guests uh, several months ago. You remember Mike, Mr. Michael Liss, and he was a lawyer. Yes. Uh, he is a lawyer. Um, and so I have to ask because this, his words are ringing in my head. Did you guys trademark Pizza Assurance? Yes. Smart. Yeah, yeah we, uh, we, and then I would be honest, we uh, kind of copied and ripped off just like most people do in a marketing aspect. Um, have you uh, heard of eSurance, an all-state company? Yeah. Yes. So uh, for us, we just tried to figure out how could we spin off from pizza and that's how Pizza Assurance came about. That is awesome. Well, how about uh, Nine Point Strategies? How does that so, title come uh, up? Nine Point came about from nine different facets of 
between insurance, HR, strategic planning, consulting, benefits, employee onboarding, and it's also nine points is a perfect cannabis leaf. Oh, that's a, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at here, and I only see seven points on this leaf that is on your uh, LinkedIn page. On the page. logo? Oh, that, yeah. that, we got to be fixing yeah. that. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I thought, you know, I thought, well, there's got to be nine points, and I'm counting them: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You know? That's my graphics guy. I got to, I got to call my graphics guy out on that. One, Only two, I would notice two, something. Three, four, five. No, you're wrong. There's nine there. Look at the very there base. There's two itty bitty. Oh. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Hell. Oh, okay. Making me I, I question gotta, my uh, graphic designer real quick. Oh. <laughs> He he just missed it by I'm that. I'm sorry, much. Jesse. <laughs> no, I got a small I was say, hey, if you're yeah. right, I, I want that corrected because that's our stance, and we'd be putting our foot in our mouth. <laughs> oh, so Ray. Well, well, this is one thing we do. We have a little fun on this show. You know? Hey, more being boring is no fun. Damn straight. Yeah. What the worst thing in the world? is to put somebody on a show and have them be boring. Rather have oh, fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. I hate yes, I, indeed. when the people answer yes and no, and there's no elaborate, <laughs> elaborate comment on it. <laughs> uh, so, Ray, we're, you know, this may actually be our – I got a count book. This may actually be our 20th show. And I don't know no, if I announced kidding. it earlier. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? See, when you, but, when you have yeah, fun, time goes by so quickly. It does, doesn't it? And we got a whole lot of great yeah. guests coming. Um, some I won't name names because we haven't got them all nailed down yet. But man, we got some great guests coming, and and honestly, I I expect that we're going to be broadcasting at a couple of this fall's uh, uh, Fran Expo USA. Uh, conventions or the great American franchise expo, I think is the other way to say it. Um, we should be broadcasting from a couple of those live this year, and we're now can be heard on Mixcloud. Which is oh, fantastic. We're all over the place. We're getting there, dude. We're get we're we're yeah. we had had somebody call us that found us on Quora.com earlier this week. So we're getting there in places I don't even know where we are. <laughs> well, that's because you're uh, you know, telling everybody about nine-point strategies. That's why. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is the man who miscounted the points. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, oh. on that note, thanks, Jesse Parenti of Stratton Agency, Nine Points, Strat- and Pizza Assurance. Pizza Assurance. Yes. Gentlemen, thank so, you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, glad to talk food and cannabis. It's what we, the place we live in and the place we enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds Definitely good. interesting. We'll be back thank next week. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a great day, gentlemen. Appreciate your time. You too. We'll be back next week on Pillars of Franchising, bringing another entertaining guest with weird questions from Ray and Fred. (laughs) Have a great day.
<laughs> You're rubbing off on profit. me. What can I tell you, Fred? <laughs> I know. I know. Have a profitable week, everyone. <laughs> you bet.